Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. X-Tree, X-Tree, Sentinel X-Tree, now the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush presents The Green Hornet. Once the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato, Rick Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Now ride with Rick Reed in the thrilling adventure of The proof of treason. The Green Hornet strikes again. The adventures of the Green Hornet are brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. Delicious Orange Crush is made with real fresh oranges. With all its wonderful fresh fruit flavor sealed in that sunproof Orange Crush brown bottle. The exclusive brown bottle that keeps light out, keeps flavor in. Always look for that exclusive brown bottle and enjoy the one and only Orange Crush. Two men lounging near the payphone in the neighborhood drugstore consulted their watches. It's eight o'clock now. I got one minute, too. That's it, Dick? Yeah. I'll get it, Pop. It's for me. I'm expecting a call. All right, all right. Hello. Yeah, talking. He's there, huh? Okay, leave it to me and Brad. Don't worry. Set. All set. Baldwin just got home. Let's go. Third house from the corner, right? Right. His room is in the front, on the first floor. Got the grenade ready? Sure. Don't miss. I never miss. Baldwin is finished. Oh, there's the house. Step on it. An hour later, Axford was discussing the case with Brick Reed and Miss Case in the publisher's office. And so they drove past, and one of them threw a grenade into the front room. Blew it to smithereens. A gangster's job, said I to Burke when he told me about it. It would seem to me, says he... But Baldwin is no gangster. Well, is he sure of that, Michael? The man is a professor, Casey. There's little enough we have on him in our files. A few stories, a picture, is but... Is that the file? It is. That's it? Here you are. Oh, thank you. One of the stories is about his coming to the university from Washington, where he was doing some research. There's an interview on the subject of... Uh, what is it, Reed? Nuclear fission. The possibility of adapting atomic energy to commercial use. Well, Mr. Reed... 
Has he been connected with any of the government projects? No, Miss Case. Uh, just to say, he has a lot of know-how about busting the atom. And so it's my theory that it wasn't any gangsters who were after him. It was a bunch of reds. Who else would want to kill him? In that case, the federal men will be investigating the murder. Murder? Who said anything about murder? Well, what else would you call it? For there to be a murder, there has to be someone killed. Well, you've certainly led us to believe Professor Baldwin was killed. I said his room was blown to bits. He didn't happen to be in it at the time. Oh, no. He was out in the kitchen helping his landlady raise a window that was stuck. Oh. Michael! Uh, they had no trouble at all with the window after the explosion. Oh, you old fraud. It was an attempted murder. There's no doubt of that. Yes, but I'm not sure that I agree with your theory, Axford. That it was Reds who were behind it? Well, I can understand they might be interested in what the professor knows. But killing a man is a poor way to get information from him. Uh, true thing, Reed. Since Baldwin's alive, I suppose the police have questioned him. They have. Does he have any enemies? Well, he says not. He says that it must have been a mistake, that the grenade was intended for someone else. Mm, possible. Well, keep me informed if there are any developments, Axford. We'll let the rest of these letters go until tomorrow, Miss Case. Thank you. As soon as Britt Reed arrived at his apartment, he dialed Commissioner Higgins' private number. Hello? Britt Reed, Commissioner. I had an idea I'd have a call from you. Concerning Professor Henry Baldwin? Exactly. You want to know whether those hoodlums made a mistake? Well, did they? Well, I'm not sure. I questioned the professor myself. Oh, what did he say? He gave a very good imitation of a petrified pedagogue. Imitation? Well, that's the way it seemed to me. Well, you, uh, you don't believe the bombing was a mistake, then? Why don't you question the professor yourself? <laughs> is, uh, is that an order, sir? Well, I'm not in any position <laughs> to give orders to you. Is he, uh, is he still at the 3rd Street address? Uh, no, he's moved into the Western Hotel a few blocks away. Room number? 324. 324, Western Hotel. The doorman at the freight entrance goes off duty at 11 o'clock. Close to that now. You, uh, you must have some reason for not trusting the professor. Well, I didn't have at the time I talked to him. But since he checked into the Weston, he made a telephone call to River 41180. That means nothing to me. Well, that number belongs to Wilkes Sherman. Oh, a reform candidate for mayor. Reform. We have the cleanest city administration this town has ever known. Sherman's a demagogue who's appealing to every prejudice. If he's elected... Oh, hold the wire. Buzzing me from homicide. I'll be here. Cato. Yes, Mr. Britt. Mask and gas gun. We have written down the address, number 324, Western Hotel. We need tools to open a window in Rideau Hotel. Oh, Britt. Oh, yes, Commissioner. This may break the case wide open. A woman in the rooming house where Professor Baldwin lived caught the license number of the car. The one that was used in the murder attempt. Good. We traced it. Belongs to Dirk Cotto. He's a known hoodlum. We're going after him. You know where to find him? Apartment 615, the Washington Arms. Able to break the case, though, through the usual channels now. Yeah, whatever you say, Commissioner. There's no need to be so resigned. Your man, Axford, is here. You'll get the story as soon as anyone. Good night, Commissioner. Good night. Well, then we not go out tonight, Mr. Britt? You heard what the Commissioner said, Cato? Oh, he talks very loud. Well, we're going out. First, we'll see what happens at 1000 River Street. <laughs>
Sergeant Burke and Axford took the rickety elevator to the sixth floor of the Washington Arms. Suppose he isn't in. He's in. The patrolman on the beach saw him come in about an hour ago. We are, sixth floor. Six eleven. Six thirteen. That's the next one. He's in. Shadow, open up. It's no use, Stalin. We know you're in there. Open the door, Shadow. This is the police. Just a second. Open this door, we'll break it down. Hey, what's the idea of waking a guy up in the middle of the night? Do you always whistle in your sleep, Cado? Turn on the lights, Axel. Right. Okay, okay. So I didn't want to be disturbed. What's on your so-called mind? Well, say something. You'll do the talking, Cado. About what? About Professor Baldwin. Baldwin? Never heard of him. Then why'd you throw a grenade into his room tonight? Me? You're crazy. I was at a movie. Triple feature at the Criterion. I was in there from 6 o'clock until 11. Your car was spotted on 3rd Street a few minutes after 8. My car hasn't been out of the garage all day. We've just come from the garage. The hood's still warm. I didn't take it out. We have two witnesses who swear that you were driving it. So it's that way, huh? Yeah. You're in a tough spot, Duck. This uh, Baldwin mug... Is he dead? And why shouldn't he be dead? With a grenade That's exploded? That's enough, Axel. You're under arrest, Cato. Oh, now, wait a minute. Your witnesses must have seen somebody besides me in that car. That doesn't make any difference. Yes, it does. It... Oh! Those shots came from the building across the court. There's someone up on the roof. Here, I see him. He's wearing a mask. Holy crow, that's the Green Hornet. It was Brick Reed, Sergeant Burke and Axford saw on the roof of the building next door. He had climbed up there to see what happened in Dirk's apartment when the police called on him. But it was not Britt who fired the shots that killed Dirk Caddo. They had come from a room directly opposite the gangsters. Britt realized the police were after him, so there was no time to investigate. He ran down the fire escape on the far side of the building and sprinted through the alley to the Black Beauty. What happened, Mr. Britt? Caddo was shot as the police were questioning him. You see a man come out of that building? Oh, yes, he ran past here. Which way did he turn at the corner? Oh, to left. After him. <laughs> there he is, getting into a blue car. Hold it down. Follow him. Is that the man who shoot Cadu? I'm almost sure of it, but the police think I did the shooting. Don't lose that car. continue our story in just a moment. Say, fellas and girls, what's the first thing you think of when you get home from school? I bet it's something good to eat. So you go straight to the kitchen for a tasty snack. And to make that snack a real delight, reach in your refrigerator for an ice-cold Orange Crush. Boy, it's just wonderful with a cheese sandwich or oatmeal cookies. Orange Crush is the most refreshing drink in the world. It sparkles, it tingles. It's just what you want when you're tired out and thirsty. And no orange drink you ever tasted can match the tangy, fresh fruit flavor of delicious Orange Crush. You see, Orange Crush is made with real oranges. Fresh, juicy, tree-ripened oranges from sunny California. 
There's nothing artificial about Orange Crush. No artificial flavoring, no artificial coloring. That golden, fresh fruit, Orange Crush goodness all comes from nature. That's why you can drink all you want of swell-tasting Orange Crush. It's good for you. Tell that to your mom and tell her you really love it. Tell her you'll sure appreciate it if she'll keep the refrigerator stocked up with Orange Crush all the time. She can get it at her grocer's in six-bottle handy packs. And when you or mom go to buy Orange Crush, make sure that's what you get. Don't say orange. Say, I want Orange Crush, because there's no other drink so good. You'll recognize Orange Crush by its famous crinkly brown bottle, the sunproof bottle that keeps sunlight out and keeps flavor in. So always ask for and be sure you get genuine Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Now back to the Green Hornet. The gunman in the blue sedan drove carefully until he left the city behind. Then he stepped hard on the accelerator. He followed the lake road and half an hour later reached a cluster of summer cottages. With one exception, all of them were dark. The gunman parked his car in a grove of trees next to a maroon convertible and hurried toward the cabin that housed a dim light in the front room. Okay, I got him just as the police started to grill him. You had no chance to talk? No, but it was dangerous business shutting him up. I might have been caught. If you had to be them, not being a member of the party, he couldn't be trusted. You made a clean getaway? I think so. Yeah. We've had a number of lucky breaks tonight. I've had a phone call from Baldwin. The what? You heard me. He's alive. I didn't get him. And it's very fortunate you didn't. But we have strict orders. The execution must wait. It turns out that Baldwin hasn't been a complete fool. When he decided to break with the party, he also decided to protect himself in the same way others have done. He has evidence against you? Yes. Transcripts of secret documents in my handwriting that I passed on to him for typing and microfilming. But you haven't done any of that work for three years. He planned ahead. He knew I was slated for a political career and that the party wouldn't like to lose their investment in me. He would have turned that evidence over to the authorities. He's more interested in living. What did he tell you? That he must make a phone call once a day to a certain person. If he doesn't, the person has instructions to mail an envelope to Washington. So we can't touch him until we get the envelope. That's it. If we just had him here for a few hours. Either here or someplace even more remote. Say, look out. Behind you, Brad. The kitchen door. What? It's the Green Hornet. Take it. Shut him. Yes. He'll be out for an hour. Now, let's see if you're armed. No. Sit down. Why? Why have you come here? Why? What do you want? I'm delivering your friend to the police. Why? Because they're looking for me for the murder of Dirk Caddo. Uh, and I don't like to be accused of murders I didn't commit. You followed Brad here? Of course. Now, it looks as if you'll have to find someone else to help you with your plans. How long have you been out in the kitchen? Long enough. So you'd like to get Professor Baldwin someplace where you can work him over? Yes, I would. How much would you pay? Five hundred dollars. Make it five thousand. It's a deal. You deliver him here? No, I'll pick the place. You'll be hearing from me. Hey, what, uh, 
What are you going to do with Brad? Drop him off someplace where he can be found easily. The police will never be able to prove he shot Dirk. You think not? Just wait until they check the gun he's carrying. The slugs they fire from it will match the ones they find in Dirk. And just in case you plan to make trouble... I promise you I'll not interfere in any way. I'll make sure of it. No, no. <laughs> All right, Cato. Give me a hand with this hoodlum. What do we do with him? Leave him somewhere near headquarters. Then call the commissioner and tell him where he can be found. You tell commissioner everything we hear? Of course. What do you do about it? Send the information over to the federal authorities. Let's go. As a result of the Green Hornet's activities that night, the killer, Brad Carson, was in jail the following morning, and the district attorney prepared to prosecute. The commissioner and Britt had lunch together at the city club. Carson will be convicted, there's no doubt of it. Mm. I only wish there was some way we could tie Sherman in with the case. Yeah, Carson would have to talk. Well, there's no chance of that. What about the espionage angle? Federal men have had no luck with the professor. He denies ever having been a member of the party. He says that Sherman is a complete stranger. Never even heard his name till he came here. Well, I can think of one way to get the professor's evidence. Somehow. Well, if the professor doesn't telephone his friend, whoever he or she is, the evidence will be sent to Washington. Are you suggesting that we hold him incommunicado? I realize that would be impossible for you. For anyone, Bridge. Uh, of course. I must be getting back to the office, Commissioner. Will you be here tomorrow? No. I, no, I'll be out of town for a few days. <laughs> I'll be seeing you, Commissioner. That night, the Black Beauty raced through the streets of the city once more. <laughs> Professor Henry Baldwin was wakened from a troubled sleep by a knocking at the door of his hotel room. Who, who's there? Professor. Leave it at the desk. I'll pick it up in the morning. It's urgent, Professor. Must be delivered at once to the person. Very well. I'm coming in. You're masked. The Green Hornet. What what do you want? Get dressed, Professor. I'm taking you to Sherman. No. And advise you to come quietly. Otherwise, I'll have to use force. You wouldn't dare shoot me. If you do, the whole truth will come out about Sherman. He doesn't want that to happen. Then go back to him. Tell him that if I'm not able to make a telephone call at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, he'll go to jail for espionage. There's plenty of time to talk between now and 8 o'clock. You promise that no harm will come to me? Yes, I can promise that. If you don't make any trouble. Very well, then. I'll come with you. Perhaps Sherman and I had better have a talk. When we've finished, he'll be convinced that he must leave me alone. I'll be ready to go in five minutes. Half an hour later, Wilkes Sherman received a call from the Green Hornet. Hello? Sherman? Yes? This is the Green Hornet. Uh, I'm ready to collect that 5,000. You've taken a prisoner? Where is he? Take me a little time to round up some men. You'll come alone. Not at all. But if we're to make him talk, I'll need help. I'll give you all the help you need. You're asking me to trust you a great deal. You're afraid I'll knock 
Frankly, yes. You didn't bring it with you. I'll collect later. Well, in that case... Fifteen minutes. I'll be there. When Sherman reached the foot of 23rd Street, he found the Green Hornet waiting for him in a speedboat tied to the dock. Get in. What's the idea of the boat? The professor's on board that cruiser anchored out the river. A cruiser? Not a bad idea. Hurry up. Yes. up alongside the cruiser and led the way up to Jacob's ladder to the deck. This is quite a boat on it. Where did you get it? I borrowed it. Where's the professor? Come along. Yeah. Forward to the chart room. In here. Let's have some lead. Inside? What the, no, the gun knife! Now they get underway. Rick tied the speedboat to the stern of the cruiser, and a few moments later, the cruiser's engine began to throb. Showing only its running lights, it made a wide circle in the river and headed out into the lake. At dusk, three days later, the cruiser was anchored in a sheltered cove miles to the north of the city. Rick Reed prepared two trays of food in the galley. The first he carried to a small cabin below decks. Time to eat again, Professor. I'm not hungry. Sit down and eat. Very well. I... I don't understand this. Why should Sherman want to keep me a prisoner? Means political suicide for him. Means prison. And what does it mean for you, Professor? The end of fear. How's that? No, it's hard to explain. But there was a full confession in the envelope that was sent to Washington two days ago. I described how I happened to join the party and everything I did while I belonged to it. I gave all my reasons for breaking away. Now that the confession's been read, I'll probably go to jail myself. If I live long enough, that is. You live. But the strange thing is that faced with prison, I feel free for the first time in years. That's why I'm no longer afraid. When the professor had finished eating, Britt took the tray and locked the cabin once more. The second tray was taken to the chart room above deck, where Sherman sat in a chair bound hand and foot. His hands were untied so he could eat. Sherman picked up an argument that had been going on for three days. Admit it, Hornet. You're holding me for ransom. I admit nothing. I've told you who to contact. Have you managed to do it, Jen? How could I contact anyone? I haven't left the boat. You have a shortwave radio on board. I've heard you sending. you sending code. Actually? I mean a code of your own. They've picked up some of the words, but they don't make sense. Why not admit that you're keeping in touch with the Confederate on shore? All I want to know is whether he's contacted my men yet. Do you want any more to eat? No. Well, I'll tie your hands again.
After taking the tray back to the galley, Rick tuned in the shortwave transmitter and began to send. Almost at once, he received an answer. He copied down the incoming message letter by letter, and then sent a message to stand by. He decoded the message he had received. Have reported your cruiser stolen. Coast Guard now searching for it. All newspapers carrying headlines on Professor's confession and proof of Sherman's guilt. Federal men looking for both Professor and Sherman. Hurriedly, Brick wrote a sentence, coded it, and sent a last message and a sign-off. Meet me. Windmill Point. Ten o'clock. A convertible. Shortly before 10 o'clock that evening, Axford hurried into Miss Casey's office with a flash bulletin. Casey, would you look at this? They found Mr. E's cruiser. Where? Adrift in the middle of the lake. There's something wrong with the engine. They're towing it into the yacht club. Was there anyone on board? There was, and that's the big news. Who? Sherman and the professor. Oh, heavens. Well, the federal men will be waiting to arrest them. Sherman, anyway. It's the general consensus of opinion that the professor hasn't done enough to be prosecuted. He's more of a hero than a criminal. You'd better get to the yacht club as fast as you can. I'm on me way! At half past ten, Cato parked the convertible in front of the yacht club. And Britt, wearing the light top coat and hat Cato had brought him, got out of the car and started for the pier, which was crowded with people. The first person he recognized was Axford. Greed! You got back from your vacation just in time. In time for what? The Coast Guard found your boat. Well, I'm glad of that. But that's only the beginning. They found Sherman and Professor Baldwin on board. Sherman was trying to get the engine started, and the professor was tied hand and foot and locked in the cabin below decks. Well, does that mean Sherman was holding the professor a prisoner? Of course it does. But he denies it. Says he didn't even know the professor was on board. He has some wild tale about the green harlot. Oh, what sort of a tale? Oh, that it was the harlot who stole the boat. That it was the harlot who had been holding him, Sherman, that is, a prisoner. And that just a few hours ago, the harlot steers the boat into the middle of the lake, does something to the engine, cuts Sherman's ropes, jumps into a speedboat he'd been towing, and takes off for the shore. Now, who could believe anything like that? <laughs> who, indeed? But Sherman has a lot more to worry about than a charge of stealing your cruiser... Have you read about the professor's confession? Yes, yes, I have a copy of the Sentinel in the well, car. Well, he's ready to back up his confession with his personal testimony. He'll get off scot-free, mark my words. And instead of being our next mayor, Sherman will be just a number. Yeah. Oh, there's the commissioner. Commissioner! Oh, hello, Reed. I haven't time to talk, but I hope you had a nice vacation. I had a wonderful time. I wish you'd been with me. Oh, no, thank you. Your idea of a wonderful time isn't mine. I'd just as soon spend a vacation with the Green Hornets. Sentinel X-ray, paper, Reds indicted for spying. Wilk Sherman branded as spy. Read all about it. Green Hornet escape. Sentinel X-ray, paper... Thank you.
that's the Green Hornet story for today. Another exciting story brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world. The drink that's actually good for you because it's made with real oranges. The one and only Orange Crush. It sparkles, it tingles, it makes you feel fresh again. Always keep several bottles in your refrigerator. And always remember, the handy way to do that is to get the handy pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. This program is a feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. Created by George W. Trendle. Produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated. Directed by Charles D. Livingston. And edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Green Hornet is played by Jack McCarthy. This copyrighted feature originates in Detroit and all characters, places, and incidents used are fictitious. The Green Hornet is brought to you every Wednesday and Friday at this same time by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. That's the drink you like best of all. Try it. Next time, ask for Orange Crush. But remember, don't say orange. Say Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Next Wednesday, listen to the Green Hornet again in the exciting story of danger entitled Jeff Warren Safe. And now till Wednesday, this is Fred Foy saying so long from Orange Crush. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. <laughs>